Big Fluff. So you want to donate this to charity? Well, I assume there's some sort of write-off. What's the value of the book? Uh, about $200, Mr. Mooney. It's De Mornay. Rebecca De Mornay. <laughs> oh, wait a second. This book has been in the bathroom. What, what are you talking about? That's, that's ridiculous. It's been flagged. I know. I used to work at a Bertano's. Mister, we're trying to help the homeless here. It's bad enough that we have some nut out there trying to strap him to a rickshaw. <laughs> right, uh, I'll just take 50. D do we have a deal? Yeah. And here it is. You get your toilet book out of here, and I won't jump over this counter and punch you in the brain. I can take it in merchandise. Here I come. J.R. Jim Ross, WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to Hobo Radio. And everything you're about to hear is absolutely fact. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And with me for the first time. In 2023, motherfuckers, it's Lars Periwinkle. Uh, 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 Samba, Samba Suchi. That's not where I got to find a new, I got to find a new intro. Samba Suchi ain't going to do, let me cross Samba Suchi off the list. That was a big swing. That was, I like it. It's a bold way to enter the new year. Like just a, a strong choice. It did not work. I think we can all agree. I had I had nothing. I just was stringing together sounds. Sorry. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> it's good, man. How was your How was your thing? You know, the holidays, all those. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the most wonderful time of the year that you love so much. Yeah, you know it. Love it. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, that's. Fine. I think that's I the best I you can hope for. I didn't have to travel, so who that's cares? always good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fine is the best you can hope for. I think. Yeah, yeah, it was it was terrific. It was terrific. I saw I, I got to see my my family and my my sister's kids. My sister's kids are uh, the twins are eleven, so they're just like they're just people now, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They don't. They're not interested in me at all. Yeah, that is the age where they're like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever. What a, yeah. is there like a big thing that they were excited to get? What is an eleven year old? In this modern age, what do they want? Oh, Lord. Like um, um, crypto? <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, yeah, I mean, for, for my money, uh, literally, I just give them cold hard cash. Just oh, that's here. We did that. Uh, we saw Molly's yeah. cousins, uh, mm -hmm. and the oldest of them is 11, and we did the same thing, and they it went over big. They were very excited. Yeah, it, it worked. I used to really rack my brain trying to get them interesting presents. And they weren't ungrateful, but also it's like, yay, next present. I'm yeah. like, man, I'm really, it was like 10 days of my life where I was really agonizing over that, but it, it's fine. As long as you're happy, it's whatever. But like four years ago, I just started giving them like 40 bucks 
and yeah. they love it. So yeah. boom. Now, you know, your uncle is good for 40 bucks. Yeah. And my nephew got, I think I'm not lying. I think he got six PlayStation controllers. That seems like too many. I thought so as well, but that's, that's what he asked for. And there are specific ones that do things. I don't understand. He and his, 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 uh, one of his friends came over later in the evening to play video games and they tried to teach me, um, Fortnite and, uh, Fortnite sucks. So I had a kid, this was a couple years ago at this point, show me Fortnite on a cell phone like broke out mm-hmm. his cell phone. I was like, oh, you can actually because he was like explaining it. And I was like, what is that? I've heard of it. And he was like, oh, you know, you can play on your phone. And he pulls out his cell phone and starts playing it. And he's explaining it to me. And he's like building shit as he's running. And I was like, I'm out. This is too. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were like, well, you got to build this zip line and then you can use the zip. Line. What are you? It's not for me, which works out because I asked them if they had Nintendos and they didn't. I said, oh, you guys play Smash Ultimate. And they're like, no, that's like a older person's game. <laughs> <laughs> and then they said the same thing about Zelda. I'm like, all right. All right. I didn't yeah. know video yeah. games were so generational. <laughs> that's right. I mean, you're still doing better than me. I spend the only game that I play now is because uh, I was playing that Avengers game for a while, but I got kind right. of bored with that. But I, I still play WWE 2K uh, 22 because I found that you can do your own universe. So like you can uh-huh. basically book it. So I'm like several years deep. I got feuds. I got champs. That's all oh, I do. Hell yeah. yeah. You build your own roster. Well, it's like, yeah. So, and it's cool because like people make, so I got like AEW people, you got classic people. My, my current champ is Andre the giant. Like, hell good, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. That's actually pretty, that's actually pretty cool. We just lost our young demographic by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's all right though. That's uh, <laughs> I do. This will get them back because this is what the kids want to hear about. Uh, I do uh-huh. I, like this is a random thing that I just want to share at the beginning. It's a quick story, but I just thought it was very funny. Uh, Molly and I were in the grocery store the other day and this very short woman uh, looks over at us and she says she said to Molly, not even to me. She goes, can I borrow your husband for a minute? And yeah. uh, she was like, yeah. And I walk over and she's like, can you reach for me? The yep. tomato basil soup on uh, the top row. And then, so I was like, yeah, of course. And so I grab the tomato basil soup and I was like, one? And she goes, no, <laughs> no, give me three of those. So I get her three tomato basil soups. And again, this has happened before. This is if you're tall, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get this. And I give them to her. I'm leaving. But the thing that cracked me up is there was another woman that was walking down the aisle and saw it. And she, I heard her as I was walking away, say to the woman that had asked me for help, you're so lucky. (laughs) (laughs) That's outstanding. Isn't it a good feeling, man? When I hear that in the grocery store, when I hear, excuse me, sir, I'm like, what is it? I got it. Is it up there? I'll fucking get it. Please let, let me feel useful for these these few seconds during my day. Yeah, I say if you're like, if you're a dude and you're feeling down and you're like around six feet tall, you probably don't even have to be that tall because usually the women mm-hmm. asking are very short. So you could probably, yeah. you know, but uh, yeah, just wander around a grocery store and uh, eventually, you know, it's they'll, great. They'll, they'll keep that, that tomato that exact basil. Same thing ha- like the same exact verbiage happened to me one time. I was in the store, Julia, and this woman go, goes to her, excuse me, baby. Can I borrow your husband? 
<laughs> and she goes, oh, yeah. And then she asked me to grab the thing from the shelf. And I grabbed it and I gave it to her. And then she turned to Julia and goes, thank you, baby. <laughs> I'm like, first, at first, I wanted, like, my initial reaction was, well, I did the thing. But then I thought, oh, no, this is this is how women have been treated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for millennia so yeah that's fine you yeah. don't actually have to speak to me like i'm a person i did my thing <laughs> yeah i do like the idea that this implies the existence of a scenario where a wife would be like no no ah. no you don't get the soup he's my husband uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> he only reaches for me yeah. madam by the way, Molly did remind me that uh, there was one time where we were, you know, playfully uh, uh, arguing with each other, but I did take something and put it on a high shelf so she couldn't reach it because I thought it was funny. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Could she really not reach it? No, she really tried. <laughs> That's a, yeah. outstanding. Was it in her, her inhaler? <laughs> that would be really funny. I think it was a coffee cup. It was, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that had coffee in it. Like it was... <laughs> But that's that's my nitrogen. <laughs> uh yeah. So that was that was just a fun thing. That's what the kids were. I'm sure they love that. They play Fortnite and they love stories about married men in grocery stores. I think that's hell, the demo. Oh hell yeah. yeah! I see that all over TikTok. Yeah, actually, you know what? This is here. I'm going to use a cool modern term. Check this out. This is the thing I want to mm -hmm. talk about. It's it's what mm -hmm. the kids are in fact talking about right now. Have you heard about this? I'm turned into. A late uh -huh. night talk show host. You seen this? <laughs> yeah. But have you seen the term that is sweeping the nation? Uh, Nepo babies. Oh, yes. Yes. The, yeah. uh, the, the nepotism. Yes, I did hear about that. Which is, if I understand it, it's uh, when Muppets uh, get their job because their dad is Kermit, I think. <laughs> Nepo babies. <laughs> When your world looks kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, we didn't need... They're calling it a hot new term, but like... It's a new term. Just, it's not a new concept in any way. It's not, it's not even close to a new concept. Yeah. And I don't think it really needed a term. We just call them assholes. For yeah. decades, we've just said assholes. So, let's just go with that. I'm going to say, I have a couple... I have some spicy takes on Nepo Babies. First of all, oh. I like it. I like the term. It's, uh, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's fun it to say. It sounds like sort of like a, a chalky candy that you used to get on Halloween. Oh, man. Yeah. No, go... No, trust me. Go to the house at the end of the street. They're giving away Nepo Babies. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not the toothbrush house. You go past the toothbrush house. Yeah, and then yeah. don't ne go to the religious pamphlet house. Go to the Nepo baby house. No, no, go. And stop complaining about the raisin house. Yeah. Raisins are tasty. Just go get the damn raisins. No, I'm telling you. put them all in your mouth at the same time, and they're really chewy and cushy. I'm telling you, full-size Nepo babies. It's not the fun full size. Full-size Nepo. <laughs> I think Nepo babies are just smarties. I think they Come to think be. of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but so first of all, fun term, like to say it. But second of all, I, here's my thing with this. So as you pointed out, and you're entirely right, th nothing new. This is since the no. invention of Hollywood, people have been getting jobs because their parents had jobs in Hollywood. I mean, That's, since the yeah. invention of monarchies, if yeah. you really want to boil it Honestly, down. Yeah. And, and again, and I've seen people in Hollywood point this out. This is what happens everywhere. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's just how the world works. I mean, my dad worked at the power company. I do remember when I turned 18, he told me he could give me a job at the power company. And I went, no, thank you. Um, no, but, that's wild. Yeah. That is, I could, I would never, my dad worked for the power company and never in my wildest dreams would I ever think my, if my dad would say to me, you know, I could get you a job. 
Yeah. I he was know. he always he was always more like figure it out. Yeah. I think Which he didn't he was, he I don't right. I think he just felt like he should say it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're not that embarrassing. Yeah. I just so. you want you wanna work at the power my my grandfather also worked there too. So it would have oh, been I would have been third okay. generation. I would have been okay. the the Dwayne Johnson of the power company. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. That would that uh, the long list of things you have in common with him that would have been another. Yeah, we were both booed in our debuts. That's the other thing we have. In common. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's not a new concept. But here's so the thing that I will say is I've seen a lot. I guess because I don't know, it's a slow time of year. Is honestly what I think, and so I think the. You know, the dirt sheets are really struggling for content, but they've been asking a lot of like I've seen a lot of so and so comments. So I saw they they brought Jamie Lee Curtis into it, of mm-hmm. course, because she famously is a Nepo baby. Uh, her mom. Was, oh, man, I meant yeah. to. Sorry, I meant to compliment you earlier on your all khaki outfit. <laughs> like you're about to go on a jungle expedition. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, that kerchief around your big, thick neck. Thank and, you. Man, yeah, but... You got a big meal in front of you there. God, oh, yeah. it's a lot of calories. What's well, cheat day? Today's cheat day. Oh, is it cheat day? Damn. (laughs) Damn. Sorry, I should I should let you go. I look like you need to take a breath because of all those leg presses you're doing right now. It's also it's it's a shame that you can only see the food, but you can't actually smell what I'm cooking. Okay. (laughs) God damn it. I tried really hard not to laugh. (laughs) Uh, no, but so like they asked Jamie Lee Curtis, who was like, I'm yes. the original Nepo baby, which again, not the original, but yes, famously right. her mom was Janet Lee. So, yes. Right. Uh, and I saw Tom Hanks got brought into this and he was like, you know, my children are, <laughs> I don't know, they're they're mm. working hard, which they're, also like I Molly pointed I have this two out. sons that are very different from one another. I was going to say Molly pointed this out. I would I think it's a fair argument to say that Chet Hanks is not benefiting from nepotism. <laughs> No, 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 no. He's ne- he's <laughs> he's benefiting from living in Zion. <laughs> but all of that to say, sure you're that, right. But I, I I think my my take on it is just let us have this. You know, like just all the people because there's not there's no story here, and I don't actually think it's a thing. But all the celebrities coming out to sort of defend nepotism in Hollywood, just just say nothing let us like it is our right to kind of be annoyed when we're like oh really really like i love her in hacks i can't believe her mom was on snl like that's you know where you're like you're allowed to be a little annoyed about it i think yes yes you're allowed to be annoyed with people born into privilege yes it's our right for anything it's less annoying you know what it's a good example um uh colin hanks Mm -hmm. is actually a pretty diverse actor yeah he's talented he's good at things he does and like he he made his own way so not as annoying um gwyneth paltrow super super annoying right yeah well and that is the thing we will accept it it's not a big deal like because the list is long i mean robert downey jr you could call an mm-hmm. Nepo baby. Carrie oh, yeah, Fisher. Yeah. Like, right. there's a lot of people that are beloved celebrities that have famous parents, you know? And you didn't just, you didn't just throw shade at Carrie Fisher, did you? I was just saying that she had a famous mom and oh, dad. Okay. Well, that, that yeah. is true. That yeah. is Her true. parents are famous people. 
Okay. That's all I'm saying. I love her. I'm saying you I'm can just be, saying be careful is what I'm saying. I, I would never badmouth Carrie Fisher. I know you wouldn't. Yeah. Not to me. Come around. Don't be around. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm saying that like, yeah, people it's it's not like it's a thing where we'll get over it very quickly. I think, you know, like it's not. Oh, yeah. It's it's always been there. It always will be there. There's nothing to get over. It's just a reality. But it's like, <clears throat> I just I think I'm fine with all of it until you tell me that I'm not allowed to roll my eyes at Maya Hawk being cast in Stranger Things like Maya Hawk's Straight great. Up. I like sure. Maya Hawk probably, uh, you know, deserving of the roles that she's getting. But like. I, we can't pretend that. Her parents didn't help with that. Yes. I also I also really like Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. Like, yeah. I enjoy watching them do their thing, too. It's not about hating. It's just about, yeah, like you said, it, you roll your eyes and you go, ugh. And then you move on. I think every generation has to do this. They start to um, understand nepotism and then they see how prevalent it is and then they call it out and people go, yeah, that's what happens. And you go, ugh. Yeah. And then you move on with your fucking life. Look, when you're born on third base, you still have to get to home plate, you know? So, look, we still we, we recognize that that mm -hmm. you still mm -hmm. have to get that RBI, you know? So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. it's fine. But just, again, don't pretend like it didn't help you. Yeah, totally. You didn't. Yeah, stop it. Is that what they're trying to do? They're trying to, or yeah. they just want people to not talk about it. Like, hey, that makes me feel bad. Don't say it out loud. I think that is the vibe that I'm getting. All the comments when people weigh in are saying like, hey, come on. And it's like, no, we're allowed to do this. Like, it's we're totally, we're totally allowed to do this. Now there's, there are more irritating things. For, for instance, um, um, you know, someone having almost no talent and then getting a cushy gig at the tonight show that is way more irritating yeah and that guy being, doesn't have being born into parents. the industry and then having a career yeah no i mean that guy earned his spot in that he doesn't have famous parents but then he's also terrible at it yeah well you know he earned his spot by just positioning himself himself next to talented people all the time Literally, and being, that is and being an idiot. That so actually, fuck yeah. you, Conan O'Brien. <laughs> exactly. It's time we said it. Yeah. <laughs> Just because your writing partner was involved in creating the office for America doesn't mean that you should get the credit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, speaking of which, um, there's a beloved guy who was born into working class. Uh, Brookline, Massachusetts, with two educated parents, a family of six, worked his ass off to go to Harvard, became the editor of the Harvard Lampoon, and then um, out of college, just started working his ass off, ends up on SNL, ends up on The Simpsons, gets his own show, and then he's Conan O'Brien. So, like, yes, that that of course, we admire that more than just. I was born into fame and then I got fame. Of course we do. Um, but it, but there's a difference between I'm a, I'm a famous person's offspring and I'm a douchebag and I'm a famous person's offspring. So I had a leg up and I made a career for myself. Yeah. I, I, to me, it's like if you are, if your parents are famous and you, you feel people are calling you a Nepo baby or whatever, 
I think the thing to do is just to be like, I get it. I would probably be annoyed too. Period. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll all be fine. I think it's just like acknowledging it, you know, like it's just nobody cares. Nobody's saying that like you like, look, nobody's tearing down the system. I think you guys are fine. <laughs> there's no <laughs> <laughs> there's no actual call to reform Hollywood. So I think it's OK. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you might you might have to put up with people saying some stuff that you don't really like for a minute. You know, you'll survive. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, the scene from Party Down, which is obviously coming back, uh, which I'm very excited about. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's the, the one episode where Roman dresses like the guy that's I forget what they call him, but he's clearly like Marilyn Manson. And uh, he he's pretending to be him and the guy's pretending to work for the catering company. Right. I remember that. Yeah. It yeah. was Jimmy Simpson. Yeah. But it's mm -hmm. he's dressed as the guy and he's trying to pick up women and the women are still not paying attention to him. And so he goes to security and he's like, hey, th they're talking to those girls. And he's like, yeah, but from a security standpoint, what's the problem? And he's like, I, I don't want them to. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like that kind of vibe of like, well, they're. They're being mean to me. They're calling me a Nepo baby. Okay, but from a security standpoint, like from a <laughs> job security. Right, right, yeah, right, right, right. Stop. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Y'all y'all deal with it. Like, yeah. I'll tell you what, if you're if you're good at if you're good at what you do, whatever you may choose, if you're in the public eye doing something public and you're good at it, it's a lot it, we talk a lot less shit about you. Well, and we forget so it that. super quickly again, because like, when is the last time that someone brought up? Well, Robert Downey Jr. just has a famous dad. Like no one. Right. You know, right, right, right. Uh, John David Washington. Like, yeah. No, we're not talking shit about John David Washington because his dad's Denzel. No, he he rocks the shit in all his movies. So, yeah, we're cool with that. And again, I mean, I just because I name checked her before my Hawk, I'm a big fan of like legit. I think mm -hmm. she's great in Stranger Things, but like, yeah. 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 So Nepo well, baby, we should we should probably send them all apologies for saying that. I feel terrible to them and their famous deaths. <laughs> <laughs> Look, to be clear, it's not always their parents, because then you also have people like Jonah Hill, whose neighbor was Dustin Hoffman. So, you know, His sometimes neighbor was Dustin Hoffman. Do you not know that? That's a legit story. No. Like no. Jonah Hill's parents were friends with Dustin Hoffman because they were neighbors. And then they were like, hey, our kid wants to act. Well, that's convenient for yeah. him and his sister. Also, your your family's doing OK if your neighbor is Dustin fucking Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. Yeah. I, well, I'm he glad he went to he probably went to one of those private schools where it's like, OK, lunchtime. Everyone grab your avocados. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? I, that's your vision of private school? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They just they just eat really healthy. I thought you thought they just ate avocados. No, no. They put just it. Have, it's the good kind of fat. That's what I'm saying. Put it on your toast. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, look. I I feel like I've 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 danced around it, but I I just I don't know, man. Like I've been in a mood. Lately, mm -hmm. to talk about wrestling because I've been back into wrestling lately. Okay, like, I felt really. You've been back into wrestling lately. Well, because it ebbs and flows, right? I mean, you've you've known me. 
uh, most of my life. And like when we were friends in high school, obviously we were all super into wrestling. But it's like, you know, as you get older, it's like wrestling hasn't always been great and you get kind of bored. Truth, truth. Yeah, you do. You do. No, I think AEW has been really fantastic. We talked about the acclaimed uh, recently, Mm -hmm. which uh, if people don't remember, they had a particular catchphrase. Mm-hmm. How's that go? It was, uh, I believe it was this. Scissor me, daddy! Yeah. But yeah, it's scissor, uh, scissor me, daddy. That was them. Yeah, scissor me, daddy. Uh, but yeah, AEW's been doing really cool stuff. The WWE has been great. Uh, just lately, like since Triple H and Stephanie took over, it just seems like it mm-hmm. has a new life. And it's just, I don't know, like for the first time ever in like a few years like i just feel really optimistic about the future of wrestling it's just a really exciting yeah is it true that triple h has a defibrillator in his chest i think he has a pacemaker or something yeah he had a heart attack damn yeah but uh but no, it's, a, it's a really great time and i'm really I, wait hold on sorry the the lights just went out here it seems like we're Who having the lights we're Who turned like, out the lights Seems like we're having some technical difficulties. I don't really know what's oh, going on. We'll be right back with you, folks. Sorry, the lights went out. No chance. Oh no! Damn it! Oh, this son of a bitch! No, I. <laughs> All of that uh, fantastic work by us uh, to set up. I don't know if you saw this, but. I I've been reading and I don't know if you've kept up with it's been a glorious uh, few months of wrestling, but Vincent <laughs> Kennedy McMahon has uh-huh. reasserted himself into the WWE. Uh, I'm sorry. I just I'm doing this. I'm, I'm doing this show upstairs and I guess I guess Julia heard me <laughs> scream like JR because she just sent me a text that says by God. <laughs> oh man find yourselves a good partner to marry folks um no has he has he really i didn't know he was back in yeah so to give an update uh vince mcmahon who uh, you know has long was long in charge of the wwe left very much in disgrace because oh, yeah. uh a lot of allocations came out about a lot of We'll call it misappropriation of funds to mm-hmm. women who he mm-hmm. wanted to not uh, say publicly things that had happened with them. Yeah, he had a he, yeah, he had uh, he had a, a litany of Stormy Daniels sort of situations. Yeah, which he's friends with Trump. So that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, but he yeah, he paid a lot of women, uh, some of it or a lot of it from WWE funds, it seemed like. And all of that came to light. And at which point he resigned as the CEO, uh, you know, after heavily being asked to do so from the board. And the WWE is a publicly traded company. Like they have investors to answer to. They they're a big uh, company these days. And so he walked away and then did the thing that a lot of people like him do when they are, quote, canceled, which is Mm -hmm. they go away for a few months and then they're like, it's cool now, right? It's been enough time yeah i I, where i get my grammy now right yes so uh so yeah he basically because the thing is he stepped down 
from running the company, but he continues to be the largest shareholder of the company. So he basically went to the board and said, put me back on the board. And he is the largest shareholder. And I don't know enough about all, how all of that works, but I guess that is enough that they had to, <laughs> that like they kind of have to listen to him at that point. So he was reinstated. He reinstated two other people that quit at the same time. He did a bunch of people quit. You know, two oh. people had to leave because for to create the spots <clears throat> to bring back the people he wanted. And then other people quit, you know, in protest because mm -hmm. they were not happy about it. But yeah, so he is back in what very much feels like a storyline. This is like if you watched 90s wrestling, this is. It's yeah. been good for a while. Stone Cold just won the championship and is drinking beers in the ring with Mick Foley and they're celebrating. And then that Vince music hits yep. and now Vince is back and he's back in power. And it just really bums me out because I meant all that that I said at the beginning. I've been more invested in wrestling than I have been in a long time. And a lot of that was the changes yeah. to the company. Yeah. And it's just a bummer to hear like the Vince is not going to go away quietly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why we ever thought that he would, honestly. No, it's there's I, this absolutely is, this nothing. This is his life. This is the only thing that he knows or has ever had. Well, and there's nothing in his character to suggest that he would do the sort of yeah. noble thing. Of, <laughs> you know what? I will quietly I, fall on my sword. Uh yeah, the noble thing of retiring in disgrace <laughs> to a comfortable life. <laughs> to yeah, be a millionaire. To, like, collect yeah. his millions and millions of dollars in, you it's, know. It's, it's, uh, it's just about power. These fucking assholes. Yeah. So, it's now a very uncertain what'll happen. Like, because also, apparently, he's, he's saying that he wants to sell the company. Like, he wants to come back to the board to facilitate a sale. That's such horseshit. Yeah. He just wants to be back and he knows they won't let him run the company. So he's just being disruptive, I think. And I mean, it was interesting. I saw Variety came out because like the first people to report it were Wall Street Journal, which are obviously sort of going to be aligned with Vince McMahon's point of view. It seemed like he kind of probably uh, maybe gave them a heads up that this was happening. But I saw Variety uh -huh. came out and was like. This is not even a good time to sell the company right now that it's it doesn't really make sense that they would be trying to do a sale. And it's just I think it's a bummer because a lot of I think like 20 some wrestlers have been like brought back since Vince yeah. left. You know, a lot of people that. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. You'll, you'll never be able to convince a person like this that what they're doing is bad. Yeah. And them not doing it is better for their company. You'll never be able to convince them that. Right. Well, and that's just like, like, I mean, you said, you know, we're, you know, I referenced Trump earlier, but you'll never convince that man that he's bad at business. You'll right. never be able to do it when it it's, it's all on paper that things are better when you're not doing the things that you do. Well, right. Again, I mean, you have an actual list that you can consult of People, professional wrestlers who worked for your company who uh, were happy to come back once you were gone. Yeah, so, yeah. like, there's that for a start, which there's probably more of them that are under contract for AEW that, like, can't come back, but might have, you know. Yeah, totally. Like, you don't, 
your storylines, your, your main storylines aren't interesting because all you do is push the big dudes. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if they're talented in the ring or on mic. They're big, so they get the push. That's horse shit. Rhonda isn't your girl. Bianca should be your girl. But you yeah. push you push Rhonda on us any chance you get. Like it your your old way of thinking got got to a certain point. And now there's more talented people and it's horseshit that they they should be in the shadows. Right. And the thing is, it does seem like Stephanie McMahon and Triple H both are uh, better at this at this point where yeah. Stephanie's really good at dealing with people like she, you know, like all, I've heard so many stories from people of <clears throat> just the fact that. She was the one who would smooth, like when her dad would upset people, she was able to smooth things over. People right, like dealing right. with her. And she Triple H- very, very savvy. Yeah. And Triple H has that of just, you know, when he was running NXT, he's really good at finding talent, of developing yep. talent. He's good at teaching people. Talent. And he teaches people how to wrestle for television, which is a particular skill, you know, and, and Shawn Michaels runs NXT now too, where it's like, you have two guys who are great at this, who are like, this is your hard camera, like hit your finisher into it, or like, be aware of the coverage that you have, be aware of like what looks good on TV. Cause a lot of people know how to wrestle, but they don't know how to wrestle for network television. <laughs> you know, like yeah, totally, totally. And you, and you have, you know, you have storylines that are struggling and you have Paul Heyman on your payroll. Yeah. Who might what be. What the fuck is that? Yeah. Paul Heyman, who is probably the most brilliant, just creative mind in wrestling, who yeah. a lot of the 90s are uh, like success of the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars came from just things that he did that the two bigger companies took. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> straight up. I or did, people. I don't. I don't. I never. <clears throat> I want to say the last. Look. This is one of those things where people will say, I shouldn't say people will say, you look at it and you say, he, Vince McMahon made wrestling popular, so he should get, he should be able to stay as long as he would like. But that is such a fallacy because someone did it first and because they've done it for for a long time doesn't mean they should continue to do it. Well, you know, things also, change. Also, he's run a company. Where basically the the guiding principle has been, you know, the largest baboon is in charge, you know, like the right that, you know, if there was any loyalty to people who did it first, Hulk Hogan would still be the biggest star in the WWE. Like, it's always been a thing where Stone Cold's our guy, the Rock's our guy. Well, they're gone. Now it's someone else. And we move on real quickly. And it's always the next person if you get injured, if you leave, whatever, there's another guy waiting to take your spot. Why should it be different for him? Straight up, straight up. Because well, it's because you know you mentioned baboons, and it's because Vince thinks he has a bigger, redder ass than everybody else. <laughs> yeah, he used to make people kiss it in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, like to your yeah, point. I mean, like the the allegations aside. You're bad at your job, sir. You, you, at one point you were good, or at least you were good enough to know that other people should be doing it, but you, you fuck it up. He fucks it up every time. Well, and I think you nailed it that his Achilles heel has always been, he likes big beefy men to be the champ and he's never, 
had a super great eye for talent. I mean, he let Bret Hart go in the 90s. He didn't want Shawn Michaels to be his champ because he thought he was small. Like there's countless examples. Brian Danielson is another guy that like he didn't believe in because he didn't have the look that like there's you can find so many examples of that. But I think he had a stretch where either he listened to other people or the threat of competition from WCW got him to focus and to pick yeah. the right people and to have a really great run. And obviously he won in the long run. He bought WCW like he defeated the competition, but it's been clear for a long time that he doesn't have it anymore. Whatever worked. <laughs> no, before. no, whatever. And, you know, to your to your point, um, uh, you know, the uh, the late 90s, the McMahon Helmsley era, I was glued to the TV. You it couldn't can't stop miss. me from watching it. You, it was. Yeah. So compelling, and it was it was because it was the two of them being heels together. You know, yeah. they're the ones that were running the company, and then they acquired WCW, and then they acquired ECW. So now you have more talent coming in with um with this over this giant arc of a storyline, just this umbrella over the entire company, and it was so much fun to watch. And it was it was a fucking soap opera. I could yeah. not miss an episode, and. Um, you know, that, of course that can't last forever, but you have to see that that shit works and it works so well. And you were not that involved, you know, don't tell me you were the mastermind behind, behind the McMahon Helmsley area, because all I saw was Stefan Triple H. <laughs> well, and again, if you dig deep on any story with Vince McMahon, any success story for Vince McMahon, it's always a matter of. Okay, well, Mick Foley, you know, if if you know the history of like the Monday Night Wars, the turning point that WCW had won for weeks and weeks in a row and the week that the WWE, it's a great story, but the week that the WWE finally beat them in the ratings after I think it was like two years or something of losing was because at that point they would do one live raw and then one taped raw. And what Mm -hmm. happened is they had pre-taped a raw where in the main event, uh, Mankind finally won his first WWE, you know, heavyweight title. And Mm -hmm. so WCW in trying to be assholes started their broadcast by being like, no need to watch Monday Night Raw tonight because Mick Foley is going to win the title in the main event, thinking we're going to pull the rug out from under them. People switched channels as soon as they said it Uh to be like, oh, shit, he's winning. I want to see that. (laughs) (laughs) So it ended up being a promotion for them. But all that to say, so that's a success story, right? That's a big, uh, that's a great anecdote. But if you really dig into Mankind as a character and you like know the history, first of all, Vince McMahon never wanted to hire Mick Foley because nope. he didn't believe in him. He didn't like his look, which he's not a big, strong, beefy man. It no, was no. Jim Ross and others who kept telling him, take a look at this guy. He's great. He finally did it. And then was like, I'm going to put a mask on him because I don't want people to see his face. And he wanted to call him Mason the Mutilator and a list of other terrible names. And Mick Foley was the one who came up with the name Mankind, came up with like the backstory that made the character. Because the real the backstory ended up being his real life, pretty much like everything about that character came from Mick Foley. Mm -hmm. And it was Vince begrudgingly accepting it. Or again, The Rock. Biggest star on the planet now, huge movie mm-hmm. star. He came out as Rocky Maivia was booed. 
you know, yep. nobody took him seriously. Yep. He was he was wearing he was wearing like paper tassels around his waist. And I think they were like calling him a blue chipper. You know, they oh, were just like God. talking about like what a great athlete he was because he had played for Miami. And it was mm-hmm. just like, look at this really happy guy that sees his dad like, was a wrestler. I'm just happy to be here, about, you know, keeping up my dad's legacy. And uh, I'm just going to go in there and, you know, yeah. wrestle the best match I can. Yeah, he was boring, enthusiastic guy when obviously all of his success success came from being the biggest asshole on the planet. Yes. Straight up. Yeah. Straight up. Or Stone Cold was the ringmaster. You know, it's like mm. every guy you can pull back a step and go like, he tried to fuck it up. Triple H was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He the was blue blood. He was the blue blood. He used to curtsy. And- <laughs> a cravat. Yeah. Um, fucking Kane was Dr. Isaac Yankum. Right. That it's DDS. Yeah. He, <laughs> wrestling dentist. Oh, plus like, <laughs> yeah, that whole era of wrestling jobs. There was that a wrestling was, that plumber. Was, that was back in the era where people were like, what do you mean? Wrestling's fake. What you got? There's a barber in the ring with it. A, a, a hilarious, a hilarious, sized pair of scissors yeah for some reason a barber is wrestling a plumber and you think those are their real jobs and like yes th- no that man is not a if he were a sergeant he would be in desert storm right now that yeah. man is a wrestler yeah also he's a cartoon character he's all he's on gi joe y'all <laughs> do you do you think gi joe well, is real don't call it fake <laughs> point being the man had a lot of misses he just ended up <laughs> In his best days, having more success than failures. But like, anyway, yeah, go away. I think is really what we're trying to get at. It's like it, it really was, is go away. I was yeah. I was so excited when he went away. And I here's the thing. I really thought this was going to be permanent, not because I'm an optimist, um, but because he walked away. Um, a couple days before they were playing at the garden and he kind of sees that as his home base. Yeah. And he didn't show up to that. And I thought, well, that's gotta be it. Then if he doesn't show up to Madison square garden for a wrestling event, he's done. Well, that's the thing too, is like, it, it is very wrestling to have your, your final appearance. And then we all think you're done. Like retirements in wrestling tend to not last, you know? Yeah. Especially Re- when you're fired. <laughs> I mean, Ric Flair's had like 20 last matches. So like, yeah, know, it, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Ric Flair's like share. It's just <laughs> farewell tour. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. But like, yeah, I, I was, I think the most optimistic I was is that I thought they ironclad had a way to get rid of him. Like it's never that I trusted right. him, but I thought that maybe they had enough on him and like had a clear enough deal that they could be like, go away. It, because I thought that's what it was because I thought, I thought he left, they paid him out and they said, cool, you're done. That was it. You're, you're hitting the old dusty trail. I thought this was, um, uh, like you said, like Ironclad, I thought this was a deal. You signed papers that said you're finished with this and you have a huge payout. Go live your best life, man. Which I think the other thing that, you know, he is not really taking into consideration is like all of this stuff that came out about you, it stopped being news because you left, but it didn't stop existing. Like we didn't find out all of the details of everything because you left. And I don't know why he thinks that that'll go away. 
Well, there's nothing to go away, right? Like, the, I don't. The, there were no charges. Like, there's no court cases. It's just we know what you did. We know you paid them off. Well, we know so, that you paid people off, but we don't know. I guess I'm saying like the lurid details of the extent of it never really got released, right. and they could look the these these people. You can't convince them they've done anything wrong. Right? No, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, yep. But yeah, anyway, that. That I just needed to get that out. I know, I know. We won back the Fortnite crowd, so they were super. Into that. <laughs> <laughs> I can, ooh, I can win them back again because that th- that whole discussion reminded me of something. Now, <clears throat> um, I'm going to for the listeners. I'm going to talk about Glass Onion, but I'm not going to talk about the movie. I'm not spoiling anything. Here, here's what I want to say. There is, um. I love when things get into the zeitgeist and they get into them hard. Um, I think we all take notice. At least I do. Um, and it's so funny. Okay. There are so many movies coming out. Um, stories, movies, TV shows about super rich people who are fucking idiots. Yeah. Who think themselves the most cultured, most intelligent, most out-of-the-box creative people, and they're fucking morons. And no matter how hard they are portrayed in movies, your, um, you know, Glass Onion, Don't Look Up, et cetera, et cetera, it never really does... It seems cartoonishly over the top, they're, the way they're portrayed, but it really doesn't touch reality, does it? No. Well, that was the funny thing. I don't know if this is where you're going with it, but I saw that that, you know, Glass Onion came out and the the character that Ed Norton plays is this sort of uh, tech guy who's really rich, who has a fancy sports car and he's kind of a blowhard. And because Elon Musk had been so in the news with Twitter and everything Everyone immediately was like, well, this is about Elon Musk. And Ryan Johnson even kind of had to come out and be like, this is just the timing of this, that it's not it's not that it's not that Elon Musk isn't like an inspiration because certainly he is. But it's like I didn't write an Elon Musk character. I wrote this type of guy, but he's just been so in the spotlight that you assume it's him where it really wasn't. My goal. It was, it was written and being filmed before Elon Musk got pushed even further into this ridiculous spotlight that he's in. But I think that is the funny thing where I, I saw his commenting on it of just being like, no, it's just really unfortunate timing that this movie that I started writing in 2020 came out as Elon Musk and Twitter were dominating the headlines. It's yeah, not yeah. my intent. Like, And by the way, that fancy sports car is a Porsche spider. <laughs> but yeah no i mean first of all again much like the nepo baby thing all for it we should be allowed to make fun of rich people and say they're stupid and look i would say if you're a billionaire and you watched glass onion and felt like it was attacking you maybe ask why they don't say your name ask why (laughs) nobody says the name elon musk nobody says twitter like nobody is specifically talking about you so what parts of it do you think are making fun of you the fact that the guy's dumb like <laughs> yeah yeah straight up straight up it just keeps cracking me up that it's like it, it seems like the more like 
the more powerful and wealthy a person is in a TV show or, or movie, and they're, they're mostly, you know, they're mostly comedies and they're all satire, I guess. Right. Um, but you're like, God damn, no one can be like that, right? Yeah. But then the examples we get in our real world, it's like, they're, they're, they're way worse. No. Like they're way worse and way more ridiculous and way more obvious. Elon Musk is a car- is a character in a movie, and I think what's over the top. He didn't say this window is unbreakable and then throw some shit at it and the window broke. That just wouldn't happen. That just wouldn't happen, right? <laughs> Jesus. Well, here you want a real story too. And again, this is not political. This is just a real story about a rich man who became very famous uh, for political reasons. But okay, uh, just to tie it all together. So in the WWE, they did a storyline, I think in the early 2000s, where Vince McMahon was in a limo and the limo blew up on television with Vince McMahon inside, quote. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, one Donald J. Trump (laughs) apparently was watching and was concerned for his buddy Vince and called to see if he was okay. You're lying. Nope. I mean, it, again, that's a story that I've heard. Was I there? <laughs> no. But that is a, a story that is out oh there. About no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah. What's the number for 911? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I oh, know. Shit, I, we're, did, did you take into consideration <laughs> the date that we're recording this show on? Well, it's not the date that it's going to air, so that's fine. Oh, okay. Word, word, word. The date that people are hearing this is not the the two-year anniversary of anything. (laughs) The two-year anniversary of uh, Jimmy Pesto being uh, fired from Bob's Burgers. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Ooh, had a little reunion there. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, yeah. No, we should always make fun of rich people because it's great. And and what's glass yeah, onion? I don't, I don't hate I don't hate wealthy people. Like I don't hate people for just having wealth or having yeah. money. It's um it's people who are really are are stupid wealthy, and yeah. then they try to tell everyone else how to live. Well, and I, then especially when it seems like that money's unearned. Like yeah. what, give me yeah. a fucking break. Well, and and again, we don't say it enough, but Elon Musk is a nepo baby. He's a nepo baby of yeah. diamond mines. <laughs> Nepo baby of diamond mines, yeah. uh, same uh, same as our former president. Like, yeah, give me, yeah. If you gave me a small loan of one million dollars, <laughs> a million dollars in what the sixties? Jesus Christ! <laughs> but I, I do think the thing is like, look, just take the L. Like, I think Elon Musk would do a lot better in this world if he didn't care if people liked him. You know, just you have the money. Just realize that we're allowed to make fun of you. It's, it's I don't think gift. that happens anymore in, in the American culture, man. No one wants to take the L anymore. Yeah, just, nobody does. Like yeah. you will, you will lie and cheat and steal and do hire anyone that you can, just so it doesn't look that you, like you failed. Yeah, give me a fucking. It's okay. Yeah. People fail all the time. People, there's something about our culture we just can't, like, like we can't put up with failure anymore. Yeah. No, for real. All right. Well, we're rapidly running out of Jeez. time, but I I know that you have a person that we should know, and I do want to get to that before. Okay, I do. Hold on. I need to, I need to put on my journalist hat. Okay. Well, while you're doing that, I, I'm going to take one second. This is person you should know adjacent because it's not what you're going to talk about, but I did want to mention- Is it okay if I wear my hat during this part? You did literally put on a hat, and it's a okay. great hat, and I love it. 
I, cool. I'm very excited about this hat. Uh, but I just want to give a shout out real quick. Uh, Sonia Eddy passed away on December 19th, uh, 2022, and it didn't get big headlines. I didn't hear about it right away. I heard about it after the fact. But she, if you don't recognize that name, uh, she's an actress that I've always been a fan of that you might remember from Seinfeld. She was in two episodes as Rebecca De Mornay, and in both of those episodes, she worked at a like a homeless shelter. And in one, uh, they were trying to give her just the bottom stumps of muffins, and she was upset. <laughs> and then in the other one, it was uh, that George had uh, gotten a book from Brentano's that he took into the bathroom, and they made him buy, and then he tried to donate it to the homeless shelter and she had worked at a Brentano's and knew that it had been in the bathroom and she refused to take it. But it's just, she's just this like character actress that like, that's probably the biggest thing I saw her in some other stuff. Like she was on fresh off the boat. Mm-hmm. She would pop up for here and there, but she just had that kind of delivery that again, these are small parts, but she always <laughs> cracked me up and I always thought she was hilarious. And again, on, on Seinfeld that was known for, these like character parts. I always remember that character and I always really liked her. And so I just wanted to give a quick shout out to her because yeah, Rebecca De Mornay, if you've never seen those episodes of Seinfeld, go find them. Hell yeah. Yeah. I to- I totally recognize her. Um, oh, what a great character actor. Yeah. One, 138 credits to her name at age 55. But that's what I mean. Yeah. First of all, died at 55, too young. And second of all, just, yeah, she worked, man. Like she, she worked and she was hilarious. And I always enjoyed seeing her on my TV. So I wanted to give that shout out. Outstanding. Yeah. Hey, stand up for Sonia Eddie. Stand up. Yeah. All right. What do you got for us? Um, okay. This. How much time do we have? Okay. Um, I tried to find the phonetic um, spelling of this man's name so I could say it correctly. So I uh, I couldn't. So I'll tell you I'll tell you his whole name, and then the um, for the rest of the time we're gonna call him by the name he was best known known by, which was Yak. <clears throat> um, Enos Edward Yakima Knut. Um, was an American champion rodeo writer, actor, stuntman, and action director. Um, he developed a lot of stunts um, in Hollywood in the early days that are still being used today, um, as he was born in 1895 in, uh, in the Pacific Northwest up there in, um, in Seattle. You got a vamp or what? No, I was just going to sit here silently. <laughs> you got your hat on. Talk. <laughs> Do I look so official? I shouldn't interrupt this man. <laughs> um, he is breaking news for sure. It, it, the details of his life are actually like pretty interesting because he was, this man was addicted to the rodeo and he was really good. He was the 1917, 1919, 1920, and 1923 world all around rodeo champion. Badass. Um, mind you, that might, that might be a small world that consists of like the American West and maybe like Alberta. Um, but I, I really don't, you know what gauchos and stuff, I bet it's, yeah, but I bet that was huge. Um, uh, born in Colfax, Washington. Um, he, 
uh, you know, he was brought up on a farm. He was brought up around, you know, um, um, the, the horses. He started um, uh, breaking horses at a young age in uh, during um, <clears throat> in the years leading up to World War One. He was actually breaking horses for the French government. Oh, wow. As that that war was basically fought on horseback. Um, <clears throat> um, he let's see. He ended up in Southern California because there was a lot of uh, rodeo action down there. Um, so he, when he traveled to Los Angeles for a rodeo, he decided to spend the winter in Hollywood. Um, uh, and then Tom Mix, who starred in rodeos, but he was a guy in Hollywood, um, uh, had him had him act in a couple of his movies, and he kind of got a taste for it, but not as much of a taste for it as the rodeo. So basically when he wasn't working in Hollywood, he was at the rodeo. He, that that's just what this guy did. I love that idea of, yeah, that the Hollywood is a way to pay the bills to do my true passion. The rodeo, like that the is rodeo. badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, you say what you will about the rodeo. Like it is, it is, it, it can be kind of brutal. I'm, I don't, I'm not huge on the idea of it, but man, like the nuts that it takes to just be at the rodeo all the time. <laughs> but that's what I think I'm getting at is like the idea of being a stunt man must be so boring to you. If your day job is the rodeo, uh-huh. like, Oh, you just want me to like fall down these steps. Sure. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. There's I, no bull charging at me. Okay. Fine. Yeah. 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 I just had a horse cram its hoof up my ass at 90 miles an hour yesterday. So yeah, this is fine. Yeah. So they you know whatever, whatever you need. Yeah. Like I, I gotcha. <laughs> so he was perfecting um, some tricks such as the crupper mount, which we've all seen. It's a leapfrog over the horse's rump onto the saddle. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, he got in with Douglas Fairbanks um, in the early years of Hollywood. Um, he got uh, contracted uh, to a couple of different studios. Um, his okay. The the biggest thing that I could find about well, two things, two things. Um, John Ford basically told Yak that when you're not working for someone else. You work for me because I I will pay you whatever amount of money it takes for you to do these stunts. Because in in Stagecoach, where he um, where he and John Wayne uh, met and became lifelong friends, he performed um, a stunt that I'm not going to describe to you, but I will describe um, the one that we've all seen in Raiders of the Lost Ark. when. Harrison Ford, when Indiana Jones falls off the front of that Nazi truck and he has to climb underneath yeah. the truck yes. and then jump up into the back of it, that stunt was created and perfected by Yak. And, but instead of doing it with the truck, he he did it um, with a line of horses. Which seems it, much more dangerous and Much less more dangerous. It, inv- it involves... Um, uh, digging a trench. So he was climbing, he was climbing through a trench, but still in both cases, it was a stunt man doing it while things were speeding overhead. And in one case, it was an axle and a drive shaft. And in another case, it was six horses. Yeah. Um, he also perfected the face melting that was done in Raiders. 
He did. He did do that. Yeah, yeah. He did make things out of clay. <laughs> See, this is what happens when I vamp. I don't have any information about this guy. So. <laughs> um, uh, Yak taught John Wayne how to fall off a horse. I feel um, like I could have taught John Wayne how to fall off a horse. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, who said this? Who said this? Okay. Oh, so you hit the ground, huh? <laughs> <laughs> In, in 1934, Herbert Yates of Consolidated Film Industries, this is from Wikipedia, by the way, which is An basically where all this is from, Yeah, um, combined monogram mascot, Liberty Majestic, Chesterfield, and Invincible Pictures to form Republic Pictures. So, William Whitney, one of Republic's film directors, said, there will probably never be another stuntman who can compare to Yakima Kunit. He had been a world champion cowboy several times, and where horses were concerned, he could do it all. He invented all the gadgets that made stunt work easier. One of his clever devices was a step that attached to the saddle so that he had leverage to transfer to another moving object, like a wagon or a train. Another was the shotgun, a spring-loaded device used to separate the tongue of a running wagon from the horses, thus cutting the horses loose. It also included a shock cord attached to the wagon bed, which caused wheels to cramp and turn the wagon over in the precise spot that was most advantageous for the camera. So when you see an old Western where the horses come loose, run away from the wagon, then the wagon abruptly stops and flips over, that was him. You know, what's funny, I've seen that Western. Like I saw that have one. You, have, you, have you seen a Western? <laughs> <laughs> that I, one where they do that. I saw that one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, then Yak went on as he was um gaining fame and gaining a lot of work and a reputation and also as stunts were becoming more prevalent in Hollywood. He um he formed uh, an organization that became a union that was for stunt workers that was in part to get a better deal for themselves um uh, monetarily but also um in order to keep them safe. So he came up with a lot of devices to keep something more safe. Um, from, uh, from the book Falling, How Our Greatest Fear Became Our Greatest Thrill by Garrick Sodden. In the five years between 1925 and 1930, 55 people were killed making movies and more than 10,000 injured. By the late 30s, the maverick stuntmen willing to do anything for a buck will disappear. Now under scrutiny, experienced stuntmen began to separate themselves from amateurs by building special equipment rehearsing stunts and developing new techniques and quote. And at the forefront of this was our boy Yak. You know, that is the thing that I think we all take for granted, which I think we all have an awareness that stunts are dangerous, but we kind of know now, well, you know, they have harnesses and they have stuff and it's, they're still taking a risk, but like you, you have equipment and, and we don't really think about that time when they uh -huh. invented that stuff. Like there was a lot of more trial and error than I think Hollywood wants you to remember there was. Oh, most definitely. I mean, part of, um, it wasn't in the book, but like the jungle also pertained to Hollywood. Like it was, yeah. it was really just like, you knew the risks. We were paying you a salary. I mean, just be, just because your, your arm was ripped off during the stunt doesn't mean it's our responsibility. Yeah. Dude, you, know? you should have done it better. Like you should have done it. I mean, you shouldn't have done that really. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's it's crazy to think about how dangerous it was and, and how many of those. Yeah, those old movies, which I do like watching uh, old movies from the 30s and stuff. But it's like, yeah, you there's a good chance that someone died in any of those big action scenes like when you're watching. Them. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, uh, speaking speaking of which. Um. The uh, it, for 1959's uh, Ben Hur, um, Knut staged the chariot race with nine teams of four horses. Ben Hur is one of these movies that no one watches anymore. It's it's very long. It's very religious. <laughs> yeah, but it was but a it, staple on television when I was. A it kid. was a staple. It yeah. was also a staple in my household. You know, m- m- Dad wanted to watch that movie every year. It, it's also good, I should say. But yeah, no one's going to watch it anymore. Yeah. It's no one has. It was the first movie to win eleven Oscars, and no one has beaten that. Um, yeah, it was also in nineteen fifty nine when that was probably. It was probably one of the lower points in Hollywood. Honestly. Yeah. Um, but the, the, that chariot race scene is, it's so famous and so huge. No one had ever seen any spectacle like this on screen before in their entire lives. And it was all practical and it was all, um, it was all developed by our boy Yak and it took him two years to develop and oh, wow. film that yeah. one chariot race. Um, the 19, in contrast to the 1925 film. Not one horse was hurt and no humans experienced serious loss. In the 1925 film, um, a stuntman died and many people were injured doing a chariot race. Under his surveillance in 1959, nobody was hurt. Which is huge. Yeah. If people don't appreciate that, that's like uh, unprecedented pretty much that like... To be able to pull that off and to to just be able to envision that. I mean, that's it takes a very specific skill set and brain to be able to spend two years doing that and then pull it off. Totally, totally. Um, a lot of people say that John Wayne pretty much stole his whole persona from Yak. So like the um, the staggered way of speaking, the the um, uh, the deep gravelly voice and also the the hip roll walking with that little hip roll that he did. That was all Yak, apparently. I mean, I'm willing um, to believe it because John Wayne seems like a monster. So I'll yes, he, he, he kind of he kind of does, which yeah. sucks. I grew it does. Up loving John Wayne. But, yeah, yeah. I think he kind of was. Um, yeah. If you love John Wayne, don't ever read an interview that he did. That's no, my don't suggestion. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Um. He lived to the age age of ninety. Uh, he died in North Hollywood, um, but that was nineteen eighty six North Hollywood. So. I kind of wanted you to say that, like he he lived to the age of ninety. He died in North Hollywood at a rodeo where <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he was riding one bull, and then another bull dropped out of the sky onto his head. <laughs> <clears throat> and he was he smoked a cigarette and passed away. Um, his honors include the uh, Pendleton Roundup and Happy Canyon Hall of Fame, National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum Hall of Fame, Stuntman's Hall of Fame, Hollywood Walk of Fame and the Texas Trail of Fame. He also received an honorary Oscar for his work um, with developing um, stunts for film. That's that's yeah. yak. That's awesome. No, thank you for sharing that. I didn't know any of that. And I love that I now know that. 
Uh, and yeah, what a what an awesome dude. Like, what an important role in film. And I love that thing that you said at the end because that's something I've been thinking about a lot. And I'm sure as the Oscars approach and we do our Oscar show, we'll end up getting into it. Of I feel like every year they try to like, what are we going to do? And they did that. Remember the Speed Force last year? Like they. They try to come up with like, what if we let the internet vote for their favorite movie? And that's uh-huh, a terrible. Uh-huh. I truly believe the most revolutionary thing that the Oscars could do that they should do that's way overdue is just add a stunts category. Give an Oscar to the best stunt every year. It's inevitably going to be in a popular blockbuster movie. <clears throat> it's inevitably going to be Tom Cruise because God is that guy cl- clinging on to his youth. Oh man, we don't have time. We got <laughs> we got to wrap this show up, but maybe next time we should talk about I don't know if you've watched that YouTube video where it's uh Cruise and McQuarrie uh going over the stunt for the next Mission Impossible movie. Have you seen it? No, I have not. No. Okay. This is the teaser. We should talk about this next time, but it's a giant ramp that Tom Cruise drives a motorcycle off of and then he off of a cliff. So it's on a cliff, giant ramp. He drives a motorcycle off the thing and then skydives. Bro. (laughs) And the the thing was, I loved this. So there's a whole YouTube video that you can watch about the stunt. My favorite part of it is that. They filmed it first for this next movie because I was like, yeah, because if you kill him, then no need to no shoot movie. the rest of it. Yeah, you, yeah. Don't, you don't shoot it last. That's <laughs> yeah. for damn sure. So that was day one of the new Mission Impossible okay, movie. We, we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely talk about that. But yeah, we that's got to do it. But but seriously, I've, I've thought that for a while. And I do think that that would be the coolest. And it, like just a thing they should do is just give an Oscar to the best stunt. I mean, you, you really should, because that's so plain to see. There's there's so many things that happen behind the scenes that we we don't get to know about. And then it's even fewer award, fewer people now that we get to see because they like, well, let's cut out all the boring awards, which are actually the things that make a movie happen. Right. No one that- cares. No one wants to hear a sound editor give a speech. Hold on. Because that movie sucks without that guy. <laughs> also, the last thing we need or, is yeah. more of the celebrities talking. Like, I I love them, but they, yeah. they get their time. The sound editor gets one chance to stand on that stage and say yeah. a speech. He and, only gets one shot. Yeah. So, yeah, we should. Yeah. 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 That really like, the kind of. So you're, you're absolutely right. And the way I if you look at if you look at Yak's body of work um, between like 19, 1923 and 1950, um, where he sustained kind of kind of a, a serious injury that kind of um, made him step back a little bit. It seems to me, and I haven't done the math perfectly, but I think you have like, if you see a stunt done in a movie in that era, there's like a 45% chance it's him. Yeah. Because I mean, he it, was doing, he plays two different parts in Gone with the Wind and they're both people who are getting seriously injured. <laughs> I mean, it was a small, a much smaller community at that point too. Most, most definitely. Most definitely. He was really smart about it. Anyway, if you want to see more about him, I'm, I'm sure I butchered his name and I'm so sorry. I could not find a phonetic um, uh, way to pronounce his name, but Enos. But yeah, no, I love it. Uh, but the, the, yeah, I think that's that's got to do it for us. I, I to play us out this week. I did want to quickly uh, give a shout out. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, you remember Afro Man of the Cause I Got oh, yeah. High fame. Uh-huh. So apparently the police showed up at Afro Man's place um, 
kick down the door were looking for something that they did not you know they you know, police stuff that they do okay yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. Oh, Afro, no, but wait, wasting tax dollars and harassing citizens yes yeah yeah, yeah. you know they're, they're their deal we all know their uh-huh. deal but uh-huh. uh <laughs> afro man being an absolute legend uh released the security footage of the police you know mm-hmm. from like his ring cameras for a song that he wrote called will you help me repair my door and you can find the video standing on YouTube. And yeah, it's just him talking about it and showing footage of them in his property. And God bless him. Right on. But yeah, that's going to that's going to play us out. So remember, question everything and stay fearless on gang. I don't like that one either. of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. Sometimes, they look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.